Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Previously on the Scottish Rugby Blog Podcast. Well, I, um, well, and I'm not really sure there's, there's there's anything else that anybody can learn from Ross Ford pulling on a Scotland <laughs> jersey. We know what he's going to do, which is, you know, run into the first man, fall down, miss he a couple seems of tackles. To have a fight with like every person who tackles him, where he doesn't like try. He like he tries everything he can to stay up. But not offload or not go forward. Just stay stationary for as long as possible. It's, it's like really it's like he's allergic to leg drives. <laughs> six, six out of ten all the way through. Ross Ford is at the back of that ball. If they keep this going, it's another try, and it's Ford. And did he get the ball down? Well, that's the third try of the game, and Ross Ford just capitalised on what was a very tidy line-up ball from Toulouse. Taylor to Hoyland, Hoyland back to Russell, the flick to four. Oh, 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 oh boy, the scales on offer. Little behind-the-back flicks. Scotland prize them open like a can of beans, and then eventually knock at the door, and there's nobody home. Ross Ford, try number two for the big hooker. Hello and welcome to a very special edition of the Scottish Rugby Podcast. Uh, we are not previewing Glasgow's semi-final against Ulster. If you want to hear uh, our thoughts on that, you can listen to last week's podcast where myself and John discussed that very briefly. Um, this week, we are in fact saluting one of Scotland's rugby's greats, Scotland's most capped player and someone hailed by those who know him as a model professional. We are of Talk, course talking about the undisputed king of Kelso, Ross William Ford. Um, as always, I am Cammy Black and joining me on our jaunt through Fordy's career is our regular Edinburgh correspondent, it's Sandy Smith. Sandy, good evening. Uh, greetings, Cammy, and uh, greetings to everybody tuning in. Yeah, it's... Um... I mean, we've always half joked about doing a Ross Ford special podcast when he finally hung up his boots because it kind of seemed for a time that that would never, ever happen, that he would just continue to be named as Scotland's hooker forevermore. Yeah, um, it, it certainly looked that way. <laughs> um, the, I mean, it, it's what what persuaded us to do it, I think, in the end, is the fact that, I mean, I, I'm interested in your take on this, Sandy, the, the sort of way that, that his career has gone. I mean, some have said that Ross Ford is the kind of man that would quite happily go quietly into the night but we've we've seen very little if, if, if nothing at all from from the SRU um which is odd given he's the most capped player and then you know he, we saw John Barkley's um outrage I think is is probably the proper word um for the way that, that he signed off at Ember with you know a, a poor performance from Ember and a sort of a, a very quick presentation of a, a tiny wee tanker on the Murrayfield pitch. Do you, do you think he's been given the you know a proper send-off? No, it doesn't. It, it really doesn't seem that way. And although I, you'll go back to what you said about um, being somebody who doesn't like the sort of limelight, and I'm wonder, I do wonder whether that had a lot to do with it. 
Uh, I, I mean, obviously his last game, his last home game, uh, as you said, was at Murrayfield. I thought it was fairly poorly handled by the club uh, on the pitch afterwards. Um, there was no no images, no no static images, no video on the big screens. So um, you really had no idea what was going on. You just saw um, uh, everybody in the distance and something happening and, and then that was it. Um, there was nothing in the clubhouse after. Uh, I think they awarded the try of the month and that was it. Um, and, uh, and, and then obviously that last game at Scotsdale was... You know, was was horrific for him from an Edinburgh point of view. Anyway, so um, uh, it just it just seems a bit as if he's just been allowed to sort of fade out rather than be uh, given the given the praise that he really deserves. I think. No, I think you're right. I think it's it's interesting because I mean, even if even if we, as as some people have have suggested, that he's he's the kind of guy that that would rather quietly slip off into the limelight. That even if someone is like that, given he's the most capped player, that you know. It still needed to be marked in some way. I think, even if that's not what he might have said he wanted or even wanted, I think it would have been nice to give fans an opportunity just to, you know, um, share their thanks because it's been he's been a he's been a professional. I looked it up. I was working this out today. Seventeen years, which yeah. which in the modern game that's that's an astounding amount of time to to play professional rugby. Yeah. I mean, you're spot on. I mean, there's nothing. Nothing on the SRU website. There's nothing um, on Edinburgh's website bar a mention of him leaving the club along with, you know, half a dozen other people. Um, now he may not want the the limelight, but I don't think it would have been uh, um, out of order to have made some kind of you know special you know mention from him on either of these websites in order to uh, at least mark the the passing. Uh, I mean, you can't. I, I, I discovered actually when we were having a look at this um, that uh, he's not already in the SRU Hall of Fame, <laughs> which I thought was a bit surprising, to be honest. I mean, um, uh, last panel last sat in 2017, due to sit again next year, so they don't they don't do it too often. But um, you know, at that point, he was already the record cap holder. You would have thought that that would have. On, you know, never mind all the other stuff that goes with it. You thought that would have been enough to have earned them that place. Yeah, you would have thought so. I mean, I wonder whether or not it's 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 more something for retired players. I mean, it'd be certainly interesting next time the panel sits that that he would be someone, regardless of whether he wants the accolade or not. But that, 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 like you said, it's recognised. His contribution is recognised in some way. Um, I asked. I mean, I asked Kevin. Kevin. Um, Kevin, who who does our. Uh, does our stats for us at Top of the Moon, um, Kevin Miller. Um, I, I managed to get some off um, ESPN. So he's, um, I mean, he's obviously, I think it's 110 caps officially yeah. that he got. Um, That's right, yeah. He's, I mean, it's interesting. His, his overall win rate for Scotland in all tests is 41%, which given given that some of the eras <laughs> yeah. he played through is actually pretty impressive. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I, I'm, I have to say I'm, a, I'm slightly surprised um, uh, at that, to be honest, because I, I think that's perhaps where some of the issue lies here is that he, he sort of played through a fairly, fairly terrible period for a lot of it that, uh, for Scotland. Uh, I mean, <laughs> it was quite funny because I was uh, just again looking some stuff up today, and the, the adjectives describing Scotland's Six Nations and a few of the years. Um, that he was playing was uh, um, terrible, 
white wash and dismal. I thought, <laughs> yeah, and I can almost, almost in a way sums up the, the, the period in which he's played. But I, I mean, I still don't think that that should in, in any way detract from what is a, an achievement that most of us uh, we don't, could only dream about. Uh, you know, we, we, most of us will dream about one cap, uh, never mind being. Record, uh, record cap holder. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we'll get. On, I think we'll get on to some of the underlying reasons for that because I think uh, there's there's maybe a case to be heard from the fact that that, that nobody he was not that he, whether he the question of whether he was untouchable or whether or not the standard below him was was not up to much during his during his 17 years um, playing. Um, the the other I mean the other stats I mean he's he's got a hundred percent win rate with the British and Irish Lions. Um, yeah. Similar, same as Alan Dell. Um, <laughs> yeah. Played one one one. Um, but um, Kev, uh, Kevin has him down as playing three hundred ninety five top level games. Um, so he had eighty five appearances for the Borders, um, and scored one try. One hundred ninety nine for Edinburgh, and he scored twelve yeah. tries. And then we've got the 110 for Scotland and five tries, and then the one appearance for the Lions. And again, it's he turned so he turned professional in 2002, two months before he left school. Um, and I think we did we did a wee bit um, earlier this season on Rossford. We did a bit of an absolute bobbins as to whether or not he'd been let down. He would have been better had he been sort of come along um, now rather than back in 2002. Um, and and. Some of the, the one of the, the comments we got from a listener, I think somebody that knows Rory, was was just how committed Ross Ford was as a youngster in terms of his training regimes and his commitment to to, to making it. There's actually an article from the from the time um, that David Ferguson had written in the Scots because this was when the Border Reavers were brought back, of course, back in 2002. And there's a wee quote from him, and, and he said, I was a bit surprised to be approached at first because I thought I'd probably have to play another two or three seasons at Kelso. It's a dream come true, and I hope the hope it gives to young players who want to be pros in the Borders. Um, and he was described as a very focused youngster. Uh, he's astutely balanced his schoolwork with his daily training regime, which has left club peers in awe. His performances for Division 2 Kelso in back row with mentor Adam Roxborough mm. catapulted him into contention because, of course, he started as a back row. That's right, yeah. It's a, it's a well-trodden a well trodden path now, but he was the kind of uh, the trailblazer on that, on that front to, the, uh, going from back row into, uh, into hooker. Uh, and uh, I think... Uh, um, I think he's perhaps, as you've, as you've said there, been maybe let down over the years. I mean, I, I think I famously saw. Um, I think it was maybe last year. Um, uh, Stuart McAnally said they had never had any training in throwing in prior to Richard Cockrell arriving at Edinburgh. Mm. And, and and I think um, I think probably Rossford suffered similarly, uh, not having had that um, specialist coach. Because I know that uh, some of the other years we watched them play for Scotland, that was one of them. I, one of my bugbears. Yeah, I, th- I think it's sort of the regular criticism when you look. Yeah. Well, looking back over the blog articles over the years, that that's been sort of the regular issue Scotland have had at times is, is problems with the lineout, and I think at times that's been down to Ross Ford's thrown. I think other times it's just been down to you know the, the rest of the pack and timing of the jumpers. I don't think. I think in retrospect, looking back at it, I think maybe sometimes the blame was laid at his door maybe unfairly yeah. but at other times probably perfectly justified but like you said if if he's not getting the the training and and the extra support then 
you know how much he could do the extras himself but then if you can't even get access to the coaches to, to do the you know to find out how to even start doing the extras it's it's you know i don't think things are the same back in the back in the 2000s i mean people forget you know it was dial-up internet back in 2002 so <laughs> yeah. you're trying to find the light even if you wanted to go and find your own line out coach you're probably going to struggle back in 2002 um i'm interested to you i mean what what's what's your t- we, one thing we floated earlier this season was was sort of the it's almost like a, a what if moment is uh, did do you think Ross Ford potentially there's a missed opportunity there for him to have been at the number eight that Scotland were crying out for all these years? Um, um, no, not for <laughs> me. Uh, and the, the, the I mean, it, it, don't get me wrong, I, 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 I have a lot of time for him, and I think you know, I think you can't. I don't want to undersell his achievements. I, I, I don't think that he ever really broke the game line in the way that you on a regular basis that you yeah. would really want from a hard carrying number eight. Um don't get me wrong, he, 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 he would run through bright walls, but I just don't think he got much further than that. You know, the, the walls maybe got knocked down, but um I, I don't know that Ross was was able to carry on much further than that. <laughs> if that's not a very poor analogy, but um you know I think you can't you can't fault his his work rate, you can't fault his um, uh, you know, fitness levels without a shadow of a doubt. Uh, but I, I, I think in that regard, he was maybe a little limited that that would maybe not have worked out. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I've seen though. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting though because um, actually, two months after he was uh, signed for the Borders, he replaced um, Adam Roxburgh um, in the Scotland Seven squad, which. I hadn't. I, I had no recollection of this at all. But back in two thousand two, Ross Ford did in fact play sevens at an international level uh, for Scotland in the Commonwealth Games in Manchester. Um, which I don't. It seems almost like baffling that 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 actually happened, yeah. Sandy. I'd lo- I'd love to see footage of that. I think that would be that would be highly amusing. That's, did you did, you, did not, you happen to see where we finished? Well, <laughs> yes, I did. Um, it's yeah. Well. Mixed fortunes, uh, should we say? They, uh, we actually finished. We won the bowl, um, which right. is of course nowhere near the. That's that's no. the third tier trophy. It's nowhere near the medals, but we won something. We beat Tonga in the bowl final. Um, yeah, the 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 actual how it went was. I mean, we got hawked by New Zealand. Uh, we were um, beaten by Canada seven nil. Um, we actually in our group were, were was a, a the Newey Islands, which is N I U E. I'm hoping I'm pronouncing that right. So, New is a country this it's this the size of Edinburgh, um, with a population of two thousand people, um, and somehow we still managed to concede a try against them. <laughs> if anybody's listening from there, they can phone in with the uh, or they can email in with the uh, the, the correct pronunciation. <laughs> it's quite an interesting squad. Though. So this is back in two thousand and two. So that that seven squad, you had Mike Blair. Um, Ross Ford, and you've also got Sean Lamont, who was playing uh, for. Um, I'm trying to see who this is because I've, I've I've written it out. Um, Who's that? I've got to... Botsford. I can't read it. Bots. He was playing for Botsford, and then Simon Taylor no. playing for Creef at the time. So there was wow. a lot of the. the it, there's a lot of sort of young, you know. There's a, there's a group of young players. Marcus Derolo's in there as well. who was playing oh, for Ember yeah. at the time. So there's, you know four or five players in there that that went on to sort of, you know international level um so it's interesting but like i said no footage seems to exist though so if anybody has footage of um scotland um playing in the the sevens of ross ford playing sevens rugby 
in Manchester in 2002. Um, interesting, Alan Dimmick uh, from Rugby World and, and former a former contributor to the blog got in touch um, after I did a shout out to say that back in 2007, Ross Ford could run a 40 meter split time in 5.2 seconds. Wow! So he did. He did have. He did have. Uh, he did have pace to him. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. With the sound of it, I mean, I, I, it, 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 I've not really, have to be honest, not seen it too much, but uh, I can believe it because he certainly has the uh, certainly has the musculature, musculature to uh, to achieve that. To be fair, but. Um, perhaps sometimes that was almost maybe his downfall. Yeah, tr- I think I think that's that's the issue, isn't it? It's something I was I was thinking about earlier is the when 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 Ford comes along. So he, he made his he makes his international debut in two thousand and four, and we'll get on to what happened to him domestically. But he actually he plays for Scotland under Matt Williams against Australia in two thousand and four, um, and at that time Scotland had struggled, I think, with professional rugby. And I think the, the, all, where all the other teams were bulking up, Scotland had been slow to catch on. And you wonder whether or not now we've gone back to more of a trend of much, particularly in Scotland, of more you know strong and fit players rather than 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 big players. That that, that maybe Ross Ford maybe lost some of his pace as a result of that. And whether that's you know it, again, he might have been a bit more dynamic around the park if that had been the way Scotland were playing at the time. And I, I think I mean I can't remember the exact timings, but. I'm sure one of the one of the issues was that there obviously came a point where basically an eight-man shove became the thing in the in the scrum, and rather than actually striking for the ball, they just all got set and you know tried to to, to shove the uh, to, to like step over the ball rather than than hook it. Uh, and I think that's where obviously where it, it always seemed to me that's where Ross's kind of that, that was the bulk that, that suited him. I mean, his physique never really seemed has never really seemed to change, and in uh, the images that you've you've seen over the years, he's always been uh, solid. But I think he definitely I definitely struggled. And then, of course, when they changed the changed the rules again, that the, the, the strike was back on the cards. I think he, he was uh, his technique was perhaps lacking as a result of the, the muscles that he had that he had built up. During that kind of eight-man shove phase, yeah, that that that's the interest. I mean, that that kind of I was looking up that today, and that kind of came in in that was a 2013-14 season. So that was during that was that was under that when when we had Scott Johnson, um, in charge. And I don't, I think, uh, you you're right. He didn't as much as we sort of we were all critical of the fact that he couldn't hook the ball. You, that's bearing in mind that at that point, as soon as that came in. His career wasn't over, but it was asking a lot of him physically to adapt to that because, yeah. you know, he's like you said, he's 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 almost playing as a third prop. That's, yeah, I mean, it, it, I think that's exactly it. Yeah, I mean, um, and even, even Lally, you don't think he's, he doesn't look an awful lot. You know, you think of it, the hookers as being not as big as your props, but I think Ross um, was probably every bit as. Uh, interesting to know, but I don't. It's not something I checked to see. Um, you know, comparative weights between him and his um, those that he played regularly with. Uh, I mean, you can think of Al, uh, Al Dickinson, uh, very similar, slightly I think slightly even uh, slightly taller, but physically quite similar um, uh, build to the Ross Ford. You know, not not guys that are actually carrying any weight at all. They're just they're you know they're solid more than anything else. Yeah, it's. I mean, I've got. A, I've got a question for you though. Based on based on sort of um, where we are now, there is only one other player 
who's still playing, who um, was playing at the, for, for Scotland at the time that we started the blog and who also featured in Scotland squads with Ross Ford since 2004, who's still playing now. Can you name that player, Sandy? Um, is it WP now? No, it's, um, it's John Barkley. John Barkley right, was okay, John, yeah. uh-huh. na- named in by Matt Williams in a Scotland squad at the age of seventeen. Wow! Which I yeah, he didn't play. I don't. He didn't turn out again until two thousand seven World Cup. But um, yeah, he was uh, John Barkley was named in in by Matt Williams in a Scotland squad at seventeen, which is mad. Um, quite quite similar to Ford in a way as well because he had his I mean his debut in two thousand four as you've said already, but I think it was another couple of years before he made a start if I remember correctly. Yeah, it's quite interesting really? when you look at it because it's he I think his next cap is under Frank Haddon. Um in 2006 as a replacement in uh, against Wales and then he came off the bench uh, in that same Six Nations to 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 beat England in that sort of it was that ma- that 2006 match where Jason White basically beat up the entire England pack single-handedly. Um some glorious YouTube footage of him just knocking people backwards which is wonderful. But um yeah, that's like I said. Sort of, there was a, a two-year hiatus, which probably not helped by the fact that the borders were mediocre to very poor during that two-year period. Yeah. Um, but then he signed. This is the odd thing, because of course Ross Ford signed for Glasgow when the borders was disbanded. That's right. Yeah, I, I, I'm never thinking that he didn't didn't actually play. It was a kind of. No. He was there for a, a very, very short period of time. So, so he signed in the August. Um, there's an, an old blog, an old uh, sort of a Glasgow Warriors fan set I've managed to dig up. Um, that, um, the, the, there's he signed in the August, um, and then in the October, um, he moves to he moves to Edinburgh. Um, and what's interesting is if you look at the um, you look at the the, the fan site that that. It's on Wikipedia through the Wikipedia look where, 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 uh, Wikipedia site where, where it was announced that he'd moved to Embrace. You know, people absolutely up in arms about this. <laughs> it said goes again. This is from uh, Alan on the October the eighteenth, two thousand and seven. I don't know if Alan's, Alan's still going or uh, uses this forum at all. He says goes against everything that the SRU Sean and Ross said. Very very disappointing to hear more shuffling of the pack. Even if we do have the position well covered. Who else is going to the capital despite what was said? And does my Warriors <laughs> season ticket get in, get me into Edinburgh games? That's <laughs> just so ironic that uh, nothing has changed. <laughs> no, exactly. And it's the same. It's the same thing that they're talking about um, about sort of you know the SRU conspiracies. <laughs> and players players been moved and oh, just that's actually. Yes. So, so even back in 2007, um, Glasgow uh, believed that Edinburgh were the favoured sons. Yeah, <laughs> and, and of course, Edinburgh made such good use of it too. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's also people calling for less abuse in online forums. Um, that's, you know, obviously things have massively moved on <laughs> as well. Um you right though. So, so we, we get to 2007, he signs for Edinburgh. Um, what's interesting is that's, that's where he really makes his mark um, internationally because it's that that Scotland have a terrible Six Nations in two thousand seven. Dougie Hall's the incumbent uh, hooker. Um, this is the the Six Nations um, which Scotland fans, of course, don't like to talk about because this is the one where we conceded about a hundred points in the first five minutes at home to Italy. Um, but somehow, by the end of it, Ross Ford is first choice hooker. 
Yeah, it, I mean, it, it, it did well. I came in and, and, and I mean, I mean, Doogie Hall, I think, had, I don't know about that point, but finished up with 45, uh, 45 caps. So he's not, you know, it's not an insignificant number. And, uh, and I mean, from that point on, he's kind of really seen off everybody. Yeah. Um, and and really over the next few years and. Yeah, um, and I think I think I maybe made a wee note that uh, I mean Scott Lawson I think forty seven caps, but other than that, you know, it's uh, it's the hundred and ten eventually the hundred and ten caps. Uh, I mean, it's it's almost like they keep kept having to go back to them. Yeah, and that's the thing you wonder. I mean, I don't think I think, but again, probably down to his bulk and the the way that that Scott we used to do conditioning in Scotland is that he. he he was always taken off. I think you know. I don't think Ross Ford regularly saw eighty minutes of international rugby. Um, so you wonder how many of those Scott Lawson caps are as replacement. Yeah, I, I, I wasn't able to, <laughs> to, to dig into that, that that deep to find it. But yeah, I, it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, um, or I mean, for that matter, I suppose Lawson could have started a few, and uh, uh, and uh, Ross Ford could have been the man coming on. But I think it was probably more the other way around. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, it's, I think so. Ross Ford for Scotland has made eighty-eight starts and twenty-two as a substitution as a substitute um, for his whole for his whole career. So that, like you said, that just goes to show. I mean, it's it's quite interesting. I mean, thinking about, the, I mean, you've got Scott Lawson, obviously um, famous, you know, match killer Scott Lawson that we all, um, as he, as he's sometimes referred to on this podcast. Um, but you think of the other people that he's seen off in that time, so. You've got Dougie Hall, um, Scott Lawson, yeah. then there's uh, Fergus Thompson. Yeah, yeah. Well, to be fair, I don't really remember at all. Like it is, I saw that name and I thought, can't think of him. In fairness. Yeah, it's quite, and I think that probably speaks of kind of the uh, you know the, the, the issues um, that they had. I mean, here's here's Scott. I finally trying Scott Lawson stats. So. Scott Lawson has 47 test caps, 17 starting and 30 as a substitute. Yeah, well, there you and go, that's exactly what you said, yeah. you, You've got to think all 30 of those are as a sub. Yeah. I, get, I get, you know, for, for Ross Ford as well. Um, I would imagine, yeah. Right. So there you go, yeah. And, and that's, I mean, that's it. It's, it's not really, I don't think, until um, we get to... I mean, it kind of. I think we said at the time it kind of. We, well, I think, in fact, I went back through the blog and I wrote articles about this when um, Scott Johnson was sort of as interim coach, sort of trying to fine tune things and find uh, squad depth and time for Vern Cotter coming in. That that hooker was the one position that he never really got hold of. You had Pat MacArthur. Pat MacArthur yeah. always played very well for Scotland. I thought when he did get on, but but was never really given an opportunity to to sort of push Ross Ford. Yeah, again, and again, I have to be honest. I'm, you know, I mean, although Pat MacArthur's a name I'm familiar with, I can't, I don't really remember seeing him. Um, I mean, I, uh, playing for Scotland, I don't remember him playing for Scotland. You know, I, I, I don't know if you've got a note of how many. No, well, he's he's, he's another get. one. I think he got three or four as a, as a replacement. I don't think he, right. I, he might have started one test. We had three or four as a replacement under, and and they were all under Scott Johnson. And then I think he was named in squads after that. But then it was really back to the, you know, we're back to the Scott Lawson, Ross Ford yeah. axis uh, for a lot of the time. Um, we should probably wind back a little bit because I mean Andy Robinson comes in after Frank Haddon, um, and obviously he'd been. I mean, Ross Ford's um, 
coach at Edinburgh, and we'll, we'll, we'll come on to the domestic, um, the, Ross Ford's domestic career in a minute. But he comes in, and so 2009, um, Andy Robinson comes in, and Ross Ford becomes not just Ross Ford, but British and Irish Lions Ross Ford. Because uh, January Flanley's injured. And he was the only Scot- Scottish player to play any of the three tests. So it came on. Yeah, and, yeah so then obviously was uh, so off. Uh, uh, was Rory Best was the other um, candidate for that, mm, yeah. um, that, that uh, spot. So, uh, I mean, that obviously shows you just, okay, he's, 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 his career as a line didn't last a huge amount of time, but, you know, it's. Uh, um, it still stands. He still has a. He still has a cap. He still has a number. So it uh, counts for something. And a hundred percent win rate as well. And he actually Indeed came on. And, he came on in the thirty-seventh minute of that final test because um, Matthew Rees, the uh, Welsh hooker, was was concussed. Um, that I, I was trying to find some sort of reviews of the game. We 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 were in existence as a blog at the time, but. Um, we just had Rory's dispatches from the pub at the time, so it was not not much detail aside from which club Nathan Hines was joining after the summer. Um, uh-huh. But I'm, I did manage to find um, from ESPN um, player ratings. Um, now, of course, Ross Ford is famous on on uh, the blog for being uh, consistently given a six in our match yeah. ratings. I think when I did the over went for the tenth year anniversary, when I looked at overall, it was something like a six point six um, average. Um, but this is this is the. Um, the rating, it said, had a solid game after replacing Reese at the end of the first half, 6 out of 10. Just <laughs> absolutely classic Ross Ford. But, I mean, he, he kind of, he, he, he was seen as, you know, a really bright bright light at that point. And it, it's, you kind of almost feel like 2009, that's, that's the pinnacle of Ross Ford's career. I mean, the fact he's gone on for another 10 years says something, but, but it's, it's hard to work out why he didn't kick on from there. Yeah, and I, and I think it's it's, I mean, it's always going to be. I think it's going to be a difficult thing to say because you're right, and and I think he summed up probably most of his Scotland, you know, career or his opinion of his Scotland career is is a six out of ten and you know solid. Um, but perhaps you know we maybe need to look at what others were earning at the time and given the. The quality of potentially the quality of the players around him. I mean, I'm I'm not obviously saying he was you know uh, the the best, but you know he, he's got to have done something right over the, the, these years. And perhaps uh, six out of ten, when you know when some people are getting you know threes and fours or less, as we know has happened recently, um, is it, actually pretty good. And if he can you know if he can get you know four or five guys at a six out of ten. Um, as the backbone, then uh, perhaps you're doing not too badly. Yeah, I think you're right, and I think that that comes down to it, is that they're just they're just as a re- when you look overall, like you said, that the, these names come up and you you scratch your head and you think, were they capped? Did they get off the? You know, you struggle to remember these these other names that come back. Probably Ross Ford and Scott right. Lawson are the yeah. two big ones. Yeah, you have other guys flitting in and out, but. Yeah, it's hard. That, that that's probably the failing of. It's not Ross Ford's fault, of course. That that that, that no. No, you know, Scotland weren't producing quality hookers during that time. But at the same time, there is a failing there from the SRU not to have produced someone to sort of push them on. And you look laterally, like you know, you've got we've got three very good quality hookers now in Scotland: and McAnally, mm-hmm. Brown, and and Turner. Obviously, all at Glasgow, unfortunately. Well, no, you've got McAnally, Ember, and then two at Glasgow. But yeah. it's 
that in its you know the reason why part of the reason why we have three good hookers must be down to the fact that they're all pushing each other to be better and they're all pushing each other for a place. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And I mean, if you, I mean, it, and it took, I mean, again, they've obviously converted all of them, converted back role players. So, um, and it took uh, them uh, to come in uh, all, all that quality in order to effectively, I mean, I think that last, uh, that last sort of tour in, uh, in 2017, um, uh, Rawson played, uh, uh, 40 played in one, uh, and then uh, uh, McAnally and Fraser Brown started the other two. So it was obviously just at that point that they were, and obviously that's under uh, under Gregor that they were starting to to think right, who can we, who have we got that we can that we can bring in? But you know when it when it, I mean the, those two uh, and uh, uh, Turner in addition are you know of the highest quality, uh, and it may just be that that's what we needed. And, I mean obviously it coincides with. I mean, what is he now? He's 35, or so. I mean, it coincides with that. 38, you know, 34 at the time. Um, but you know, th- those are not those are not average players. No, I mean, the, the, we'll, we'll we'll come on to. So I think we'll come on to the sort of modern day era. Um, uh, in in a moment, I mean, the, the the I think I say the lines was was Ross Ford speaking. I mean, a few people have been in touch with this. Is Bruce McConaughey was one who st- still has the the tin, but the peak peak of Ross Ford's career, of course, was uh, in twenty eleven when he appeared on boxes of Scott's porridge oats. Yeah. Um. The um. Interesting. We've we've got a um. At the time, I did look at this up. Somebody sent me a picture, and apparently, aside from tickets to uh, Scottish rugby matches, there were also a hundred prizes personally chosen by the players i've no idea what any of those prizes were i've asked if anybody won them um but 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 nobody's got in touch so we can only assume um that that was i'm not saying there was a scam but interesting to know what (laughs) what people actually want from that competition or whether they even bothered to claim i think that's probably more what it's down to um but yeah um chris patterson described being on a on a a box of scots porridge oats as as a as a as an honor um maybe taking a little bit far but all the players got free porridge that's that's as much as i was able to uncover Definitely iconic, that's for sure. And, and uh, as we speak, I'm drinking out of my uh, Edinburgh Rugby Ross Ford plastic mug. Uh, I'm, I'm led to believe that, um, I mean, these are a good few years old now, uh, and that, they, that he was the only one they, they chose to be on the cup. So there was no half a dozen players collecting the set. You got Ross Ford or nothing. Well, so, yes, uh, well, again, and, and therein lies Scotland's problem over the last 17 years. You get Ross Ford or nothing. Um, but of course, I mean, that, that's that, that uh, Ross Ford, of course, a big hit with the ladies. A huge well, I hit. Can, I can't imagine why. <laughs> <laughs> Um, we got a lot, a lot of we had a lot of love for the uh, Ross Ford pictures that we posted on uh, Twitter um, in advance of this podcast from the ladies and the gentlemen as well. I understand that he's a big, a big hit with the gents as well. Um, always, always, always first in the queue for a, for a topless photo shoot, Ross Ford. Yeah, I, I actually hunted because a, a few years back I, I saw. I'm sure it was on YouTube, but when I've hunted and hunted for it, there was a a really good uh, video in. Uh, I think Alistair Dickinson's gym and he was doing some phenomenal kind of wall-based pull-ups that involved letting go of one bar and pulling it, you know, and sort of flying up and picking up the next one before doing, you know, a dozen uh, a dozen pull-ups. And I just I remember at the time, even then, thinking, oh my God, this guy is fit. <laughs> you know? And I've, I wanted, I tried to find it uh, as I knew it was coming on here tonight, just to 
know exactly what because obviously it's one of these ones you remember bits of but not not exactly what it was but it seems to have disappeared and, there is a video of him there is a video of him and it's called the canterbury challenge and it was before the 2011 world cup and um effectively they gave ross ford a scotland shirt to try and tear apart with his bare hands yeah (laughs) that's he doesn't succeed spoilers but 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 ladies and gentlemen if you want to um just see ross ford topless straining um that that's the video for you 30 seconds of pure joy for anybody looking (laughs) for their ross ford topless hit um i think probably i mean it's worth talking about though i think the probably the low point of Ross Ford's Scotland career was was 2012 which is odd because that's the year he was named as captain by Andy Robinson um and and you look at the interviews with Andy Robinson at the time when he talks about what a leader Ross Ford is he's one of Scotland's um, best players you know he's uh, it was it came after I think the World Cup when Robinson was criticized for naming Al Kellogg as his captain but then never actually playing him in any games um so he kind of went with someone that he knew was always going to be a starter but and by the end of it, you see quite a frustrated Ross Ford. There's one in, one one instance, I think, after the Ireland game where they lost, um, where he swore in a press conference, um, which which seemed to astound the gathered press packs. He said, after the game, I was raging with the performance, was his assessment. Everybody was. It was effing annoying. Um, but yeah, but then by the November tests, he was dropped altogether and Andy Robinson was describing his play as one-dimensional. Which oh, a bit harsh. <laughs> very hard. I mean, you, you think yeah. who's who's the fault with there? You know, the yeah. the, the co- a coach who's picked someone has gone from captain to being dropped. I mean, I know sometimes as a motivational technique, coaches will do that sort of thing. But you also think that's uh, how that that that's that's absolutely terrible man management. And you yeah, know, yeah. lo and behold, that's that's the te- that's the te- that you know. Robinson was not long for this for for the job after that. Yeah, I think that uh, you, you know you're you know you're. You know, career as Scotland coach is swirling in the uh, toilet bowl at that point, really, isn't it? I mean, you, you, you want your, you, your captain should be somebody that you you can rely on, and uh, you know, uh, and you, know, you would think that Ross Ford probably fits that, that category. I mean, he's he's not necessarily always going to um, be the, the the person that stands out for you in a game, but you, as we've already said, you, you'll always get a performance. Uh, that's a, a guaranteed level, and it's a decent level. Uh, so uh, I can't think who he would have been re- replaced with to have been dropped out the squad entirely. But, but uh, there you go. It was uh, Scott Lawson. As we've already touched on, yeah. yes, yeah, exactly. Quite um, the. I mean, we get to. I mean, that we get to sort of. It's interesting then because obviously that when um, we get Scott Johnson coming in, and as we touched on, um, that coincides with a change in scrum laws, which obviously um, Ross Ford struggled with. And I think, like we've said in retrospect, you can understand why, and it was maybe a bit harsh of us to expect. Well, to place the blame at Ross Ford's door, it's. I think it was more of a coaching failure. Um, that 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 more wasn't done. Um, that Scotland sort of seemed to sort. Of, I was looking back at the blog articles and we kept saying Scotland seemed to keep wanting to just try and drive teams off the ball but that was never going to work once the laws had changed um, the the interesting thing is that when, when again I'm looking back at the articles we were writing at the time and then Vern Cotter comes in and the lineup got fixed almost straight away and he had and Ross Ford had this sort of like mini revival yeah I, I mean that's absolutely true to, I mean towards the uh, towards the, the, that, that period uh, I mean, again, we always I talk about the throwing in because that's that's the thing that's obvious. It's not as easy to see when somebody maybe not jumping at the right time, but uh, or or in tune. But uh, um, you're right. Certainly, there was a it didn't seem a point where it had improved 
or that aspect of improving it in the, the, the link up between thrower and, uh, and jumper was definitely a lot better. He also started to hook as well and divert yeah. court as well, which I think it just it, it probably was a matter, an issue of time and just needing that extra, you know, the coaching and trying to actually just sort of work out how physically how he was going to manage to get his leg forward <laughs> over that absolutely massive barrel chest of his. Yeah, and the huge thighs. I'm not that way. Focus too much on the size of his thighs, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> there are plenty of listeners who who, who would like us to dwell on them, though, Sandy. Yeah. So, um, yeah. the, I mean, the, we, uh, the, I mean, the, by, I mean, by the World Cup, by the last World Cup, by 2015, he's 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 replacement hook. I mean, he was he's behind at that point. McAnally and Brown are the are the first choice, and they've got they've got versatility in their. You know, in their armour, haven't they? Because they, because they can both play. They both have played, in fact, back row for Scotland yeah. under Vern Cotter and under Gregor Townsend, and that's maybe where, aside from the other issues, that that and a sort of the, the sort of lack of dynamism around the park. Which again, that's not necessarily down to Ross. That's not down to Ross Ford. It's probably just down to the way he's been coached. I think over the over his professional career, but that definitely that 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 ball carrying and the dynamism and the that the versatility from the other two sort of start, that's when we start to see Ross Ford sort of, he loses that that mantle of first choice, doesn't he? Yeah, and, and I think, I mean, you'd, obviously you took a look at uh, McInerney and Brown and uh, they, they do take that to a different level that, that, that uh, Ford has not really been able to, to get to. Uh, I mean, the... the, uh, the you know, they've, they've, I think they have between them probably scored more tries. Um, uh, they've just added that wee bit more, um, uh, as you say, dynamic. It's, I mean, it's hard to, to put exactly on why, why they just they're better. But, they, but unfortunately for Ross, they they are, uh, uh, and I think perhaps a better coaching that is coming along and to uh, the, obviously the style of play that, that Scotland are now. Uh, when they were starting to be a bit more pace about it, um, they were much more suited to that and uh, and the kind of, um, as you say, the the, the forward drives uh, in the scrum and what have you. They did, you know, secondary wing forwards uh, in a way that I don't think Ross really ever was. Yeah, I mean, one one thing that is interesting, I think that we've noted on the podcast before, is is sort of post-2015 World Cup is that uh, Ross Ford kind of reacted to that almost because his body shape did change, yeah. and he did sort of he really sort of conditioned himself and he really trimmed down and you get that. I mean, we, I think by the end of 2016 we were saying, well, the end sort of the end of the Six Nations 2017. I think we said on the podcast that's Ross Ford done. He's you know you've got Ford McNally and Turner now. That's that's Ross Ford's career over internationally. It'd be interesting, you know, and we were sort of talking about whether he'd retire or not. But then you get that first. I mean, we we did it as a sound clip actually when we, the first summer test against Italy in 2017 was you in the Lions. He scores two tries, two, two, tries, <laughs> two yeah. tries off the back of a wall, and played. He played the game. Oh, I would say that's probably one of. If you're looking at Ross Ford's best game in a Scotland shirt, it's that test against Italy in Singapore in 2017. Yeah, no, I, I, and and it's funny that's a that's a real a real highlight, and it, it, I think at that point, I think he, he would be thinking that. That he was perhaps, as you say, not necessarily going to be a, a starter all the time, but that he still had a had a big part to play going forward. Uh, and I, uh, again, I think I'm right that he uh, obviously he picked up an injury 
either at the end of that tour or, or um, just shortly after that kept them out and perhaps stalled that renaissance enough that um, that not only Stuart McAnally and Fraser Brown had obviously cemented their, their place in the squad, but you obviously had then potentially, as we moved on, George Turner kind of pushing them as well. Um, so, and I think that's probably a, it, it's almost like he had reached a peak and then fell off a cliff. Yeah, and I think that's. I think it was in. Uh, you know, you look at it, and, you, and, and you're right that there were a couple of long lin- injury layoffs, and I think, the, the I think he was injured for the November 2017 test. He was injured for the 2018 Six Nations, and again, you know, and it, but he was, you know, he was named in the squad, the wider squad for the, you know, for the 2018, um, you know, for the November tests just gone. Yeah. He's in the wider training squad, but by that point, I think obviously Richard Cockrell has an eye, you know, had one eye on, on. You know, sort of developing sort of someone to to you know be Stuart McNally's apprentice going forward. You know, knowing that they can't rely on Ross Ford. Yeah. You know, the following season, and that's really sort of what what's done it in this. I think towards the end of his career, and it's kind of, I would say, it's kind of a shame that it's ended like that. But at the same time, I was thinking about you know what Sean Lamont said when when he finally retired, and you know, and the people were saying, "Why did you never hang up your boots for Scotland?" Um, and he said, "Well, I'd always make myself available for my country." And you kind of want, I think there's probably a bit of that with Ross Ford as well. That you know, some players will retire from international rugby to prolong their careers, but others will say, "Well, the coach might want not want to pick me anymore, but I'm always here. I'm always at the end of the phone to make myself available." Yeah, and I would, I would like to point that that's the the way that Ford has gone. I've no reason. I mean, he he doesn't say a great deal when you uh, at the club, and you don't really see him in, uh, in print very often, um, but I would I think that would be his, uh, his reaction. Um, they're they're kind of, I mean, even now, I have, even though we're, we're saying he's retired, um, I think that it's almost like an abstract retirement because I've not heard anything really, really definitive on this, I don't think. Um, uh, it, it, it just seems that well, obviously his, his contract wasn't renewed, but there's there's nothing hugely significant to say. I'm I've, going to do this, or I'm going to. I've got a sneaking suspicion. Now, this is my sneaking suspicion: is that he the the announcement will come after the World Cup, just in case. Just in case, and I do generally think that. I just wonder whether or not, from an experienced point of view, and from a, the point of view of. Uh, McInally and Brown and Brown and Turner in particular are are um do, the, the, fragile. Yeah, fragile is a good <laughs> word for it. And then we've got um, Grant Stewart, who's been named in the wider training squad. I, you know, you, you get you get a couple of injuries, and uh, you know we're not wanting to leave um, your pro sides um, adrift. You know, th- there is the element to say, does does Ross Ford do a Rory best? Does he say I'm done? But I'm you know. He's leaving the door open. Townsend's had a word and said, "Look, retire by all means, hang up your boots." But I'm, you're in my thoughts. Should a couple of guys go down, yeah. I'd happily have you on the plane to Japan and just you know keep yourself fit and see what how things pan out. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if that was that were the discussions that have been had behind the scenes. Yeah, no, I would, uh, I would agree, and I think uh, uh, it would really surprise me that his fitness won't be an issue. I would imagine he'll be he'll be keeping up with that, and uh, I can't see that being a problem. But I, I did I did get that that feeling is that it was only that um, 
you know, not not being in, not being involved in the training squad was uh, was probably the kind of trigger to say, well, you know, you know, at the end of the season I'm going to, you know, not not that it's been made public that I'm going to sort of, I'm going to happily move on and I'll find something else because that perhaps he was holding out for that that one last call, perhaps even for the wider training squad to see how it how it panned out. But um, I mean, I, I, it didn't surprise me that he didn't turn up at the uh, the Pro 14 awards, despite being honoured there, kind of, kind of, just felt that he would. Oh, I'm going on holiday, and, you know. That's it. <laughs> I'm not doing anything else. <laughs> which you, you can give me an award, an award if you like, but I'll send somebody else. Yeah, which again probably probably speaks of the man and then the kind of you know the fact he maybe did want to bow out quietly. Um, I mean, in terms of, I mean, we'll, we'll look to Edinburgh then, because I mean, obviously we, we've talked about the borders. I mean, fairly, uh, there's not really much to shout about then, and then he's. It's August three month career with Glasgow Warriors, um, which for what you did, who he never turned out. Um, unless anyone can find details of a friendly or anything, I couldn't find anything online. Um, Edinburgh then, Sandy. What, what? Any particular highlights for you? For well, Edinburgh? Yeah, I think I think there's. I mean, obviously, very recently. I mean, it's you know just as you're sort of feeding off into the kind of the long night. I think recently. Uh, Everybody was marvelled to see him chasing back uh, in the match against Scarlets very recently, where he um, a, a try-saving tackle against the uh, Scarlets centre, uh, uh, Kieran Fenoya, who must have thought, "What the hell is going on here? I've just been, I've just been chased and caught by a you know 35-year-old hooker." <laughs> but, but I mean, that's that's recently. But I mean, I think it's it, it, not a highlight as such. It's just a, a very recent. Memory that I think that you know in the last season of your career is quite a good one. Um, it, it has to be the, uh, I mean, particularly the the, the Challenge Cup uh, in 2015, obviously. Um, and, you know, despite not winning that, you, you know, scored the try in the final, uh, and then obviously the the, the run uh, in the Heineken Cup in 2011, which uh, you know, I, I was at that game at home against the uh, Racing that they won 48-47. Uh, and uh, and obviously to go on and um, beat to lose in the, the quarterfinals, uh, uh, I think that you know, and I suppose those are those would be the highlights. Um, and you have to obviously you have to kind of kind of temper that with the fact that, uh, that 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 you know some of those also have a kind of a, a negative. You know, you, you you got so close to winning a some kind of trophy in particularly in the Challenge Cup in fifteen and. You know, scored a try, you would think you'd be on top of the world, and then only to, you know, I think, if I remember rightly, though, um, uh, and Gloucester were down to 13 or 14 it, towards the end of the match, uh, and uh, they still managed to win, which, you know, must, must, be, must be difficult to, to cope with. Um, but, you know, so those, those are the kind of, those are the two, the two big moments, I would say, that I, I would imagine, I certainly think of, and, I would imagine if uh, Ford is looking back at his uh, Edinburgh career, he would be would probably pick his highlights. Uh. Yeah, it's interesting. Somebody, um, somebody was um, in touch with us on the on Twitter. I'm just trying to find out who this was. Who said one of their highlights for Ross Ford was the. Um, no, they didn't. Know, I couldn't find on this online to confirm if this was a thing or not. So Dan, Dan Gervin, um, uh, apologies, Dan. Um, if I've got this wrong, but he said the 2008 Heineken Cup versus Castro, I think he says, at Murrayfield, where Fordy got the ball on the halfway line, sprinted past the gain line, stepped to defender and put in a massive handoff to finish off an amazing try. 
haven't been able to find it on YouTube. I'm assuming no. it probably did happen. Um, what I did find, though, um, which is if you watch, it's the um, the 2011-12 quarterfinal against Toulouse. Um, there's there's highlights on um, that. There are highlights on um, on YouTube, and just the absolute work rate that Ross Ford gets through in that match. And I think that's something we forget about. Just his his work rate, his fact that he's he's at every single ruck. Every time he's he's making hundreds of tackles, you know, every single tackle he's there, and that's I think that's maybe what we should remember him for. His career is just his his work rate around the park was all in terms of defence was always top notch. Like I said, he never made the yards with ball in hand that someone of his physique should make. He had these issues at the scrum and his issues at the lineup, but his work defensively, I think, was I don't think you'd ever really fault it, could you? No, no, I, I think that's a that's fair comment. I think, I mean, I, I, mean, I, I think that, I, I mean, if you, those are the kind of things that sum sum up his really his entire career. You know, it, you can't fault his dedication, you can't fault his work rate, you, you can't fault his fitness. Um, and it, it's just, a, I think it's just a kind of a, a description of somebody that has made the absolute best of what what they had. Um, it, perhaps there was something more. If with the right coaching, but I think uh, as much as you can ask uh, Ross for, he, he was he, he gave, um, you know, and so that you know, and you know when you when you you know when you've had so many, I mean, 200, uh, 200 or 400 appearances for your uh, club, and um, it, you know you can't you can't knock that. I think that's just uh, I mean I've, I tried, I actually couldn't find out. I know that. Um, the uh, junk uh, had uh, had more caps for Edinburgh than him, but I couldn't actually find a list, and I couldn't <laughs> think of anybody else who had who had managed more. To be honest, um, uh, so and, and obviously the two of them played together for a long time, so it's not, it's hardly a surprise. But uh, um, yeah. yeah, effort effort and work rate. I mean, I've, I think I've written that three or four times on these pages I've got in front of me. Yeah, and I think that's it. Like I said, he worked with what he was, what he was, you know, what he had. But also, you know, he had to work within what he was given. And you know, you look over that the sort of seventeen years he's played, and up until well, up until the last five six years, you know, he was playing through some pretty dire periods of Scottish rugby. And you just wonder, you know, you do wonder what if you do wonder what, you know, you, you look at the conditioning that he managed, the condition he managed to get himself into in the last couple of seasons, and the fact he adapted to Scotland's new way of playing. You know, it later in life, and there's a lot of players would have just sort of held their hands up and said, "That's not for me. It's yeah. a young man's game." But you know, you, you do wonder if someone had gotten a hold of Ross Ford at a younger age with better coaching in place and better, you know, better better systems in place in Scottish rugby, what what might have been and whether or not he might have kicked on more after 2009. And um, we did say what we were going to do, and we, we're not we we had a, we did a, a joke in the last uh, podcast. We said we we're going to do the. Um, Almost the hate, like the hateful eight or the the worst fifteen to have right. played with Ross uh-huh. Ford. Um, we 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 did that jokingly, I have to say. And um, we I did I did go in and have another think about that and thought that was maybe a bit harsh. Um, to do to do that as some pointed out on the blog. Um, I started right. We we got a couple people send us lists. Um, and actually, what I, when I was doing the research for this, actually, kind of what some people suggested we did. And what I was thinking of doing is more that it's like almost like the lost generation of Scotland players. During, that that have sort of suffered in the same way, might have suffered in the same way as Ross Ford, in that yeah, yeah. W- were it not for a better coach, were it not for a better setup, would have, you know, would have 
sort of challenge the, the you know the current crop of players almost and the, the, it's interesting because actually what, what I found was it's the 2007 team that went out against Ireland in the uh, World Cup warm-up in the summer and beat them um, and this is the team it's got Ross Ford in it and you think man to man I mean there's a couple of ones you could question but generally this was a this was a good Scotland team, and this is back in 2007. So um, going from fullback onwards, you've got Rory Lamont, Sean Lamont, Rob Dewey, Andy Henderson, Simon Webster, Chris Patterson, Mike Blair, Alan Jacobson, Ross Ford, Ewan Murray, Nathan Hines, Jim Hamilton, Jim White, Ali Hogg, and Simon Taylor. Now that, you know... That sounds a good team. That's a, good, that's a strong team, Joe yeah. you know I mean? And you wonder, you know, on the bench is um, Fergus Thompson, uh, Biggers, Scott McLeod, Kelly Brown, Chris Cusser, Dan Parks, and Hugo Southwell. Now, you know Dan Parks on his day. You know maybe maybe the exception of Hugo Southwell, I think. But and and you know, but Dan Parks on his day certainly. Um, yeah. But I think that that fifteen at the very least, with it in the hands of a different coach, in the hands of you know, with better conditioning, with better systems in place, he's a very strong team. And you just wonder what, but you know, performed very poorly. And you just wonder what might have been if things had clicked. Yeah, and I think that's. I think that. I mean, about you know, if he had played, if if Ross Ford was, you know, the age that Stuart McInally is now and was um, able to make, you know, starts in the Scotland team or the substitute appearances, would he still be getting a six, or would he, you know, would he be being dragged up by playing with better, still better players, and by the fact that he's playing with better uh, coaching behind mm-hmm. him. I, I think he would be his, his stats would rather mean him there the six out of ten man that we've we've mentioned in a, in, you know over the years. I think he would be more like a seven or an eight. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, we had a couple of people get in touch on uh, Twitter and Facebook when we put a shout out for this um, about we're just asking sort of for, for recollections and memories of Ross Ford. Um, the loose head, um, who's who's an Irish based um, Twitter account. Um, based over in Ireland, said uh, after the last game between Edinburgh and Munster and Limerick uh, in the lock bar, he gladly, Rossford gladly posed for photo after photo with fans of both teams, always smiling and laughing with them, absolute gent. Um, and similarly, we, we had somebody on um, Facebook on the Scottish Rugby Forum, it was um, Andy um, Andy Campbell who said, um, I was chatting with him at a training session just before the All Blacks match, I was sitting in my wheelchair and he was kind enough to chat away with me, told me he was feeling the cold and couldn't feel his hands. I looked at him, then looked at my legs and said, don't worry, I can't feel my legs. He says, I've never seen anyone apologise and go right quite so much. He said, of course, I was winding him up and had a good laugh about it, but I think he learned his lesson that day, always wear gloves. Similarly, I'd asked on the uh, Edinburgh fans page, and although uh, uh, loads of people liked the post, there were no actual anecdotes or stories to, and I think that actually just says more about the fact that he is this uh, um, quiet giant that, you know, just wants to go on with his job and uh, is not going to be hogging the limelight. I think that, I think it tells its own story. No, I think, I think you're quite right there, Sandy. So, um, I think that, that, that covers, that covers our our Ross, Ross Ford retrospective podcast we we threatened to do it now for at least 12 months and we finally delivered it to you um we wish ross all the best in in whatever he does decide to do i'm still personally holding out for that for that 
you know fairy tale World Cup appearance. Yeah. Um, I think that'd be. I think a fourth World Cup for us for would just be the 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 cherry on the cake. I know. I know lots of you would probably are probably screaming screaming at the podcast. Um, wherever you're listening to it right now, but I'm I'm, I'm still I'm still dreaming of of uh, of Ford Ford more years. Um, we um that we we might be back next week. Now this depends. We have plans in place. We have contingencies in place. I have booked a holiday the week before the Pro 14 um, final, which is partly poor planning on my part, but also I, I've I've got a child starting school next year, and I'm trying to take advantage of cheap holiday prices while I can. Um, but yeah, get used to it, <laughs> <laughs> here is here is the deal, folks. If Glasgow um, lose against Ulster, um, which is highly unlikely. Obviously, we're all pulling for a Glasgow win, even even the Embra fans amongst us. Um, if they lose, there will be no podcast next week. We'll take a break, and then we will come back and we'll do a full season review um, at some point the following week. Um, however, if Glasgow win, then Rory and John will be back with a very special host, guest host that we have lined up next week um, we will put more details um, on social media um, about when uh, that is going to happen um, and we will be doing the normal shouts out for hands in the rock crap call-offs and the like uh, so you can get in touch with us don't worry get in touch with us um, on twitter at cami black and um, there is wi-fi where i'm going in center parks uh, so i might pick that up and pass those on to rory or uh, the best way to get in touch with us while in my absence is is at scott rugby blog where rory will be monitoring those we're on facebook and instagram you can also email podcast at scottish rugby blog .co.uk um, don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple and Spotify and uh, Acast and all those different apps we've revamped the podcast page on the website so we, we're going to have um, the Spotify player for playing it through the website if that's how you like to do it just because it looks a little bit nicer on mobile phones um, but any problems with that do let us know and we'll happily try and uh, arrange different ways for you to listen if, if, if that causes you any difficulties um, we are going to play out tonight with a um, a, a, a track, uh, an excerpt from a track called Tank from called Tank Engine, who are from the northeast of England. Um, the guitarist Adam gave us a lot of help um, when we first set out the podcast. Their EP is out on the seventeenth of uh, May, so so Friday, as we're recording this. Um, so it's it's very similar to the kind of music that we reference on the podcast, not the kind we play. Um, it doesn't sound like Van der Volk, um, but it is very similar to the kind of music that, that, that you'll often hear John and Ian and I referencing on the podcast, and I know a lot of you are fans of that. So do have a listen, and if you're interested, the band are called Tank Engine. Um, for for the moment, though, um, the, do check out the blog, scottishrugbyblog.co.uk. We have set up a an Amazon affiliate page, Rory tells me, which means any, any books or music or... Um, rugby-related paraphernalia that we refer to on the podcast. We will post Amazon links to it, and if you buy it through that link, uh, we get a bit of cash back to sort of keep running the blog and, and, and put back in the podcast. So so please keep an eye out for those. Um, in the meantime, though, it is goodbye from me and goodbye from Sandy. Good night, folks. <laughs> It's not just a death of my death of me. Let's take your mate.
Put your 